0: So good morning to all of you early risers who remember to set your clocks ahead one hour and so are up even one hour earlier today than usual. So what is the phrase that comes from the back seat of the car as we are on long road trips? are we there yet? The cry goes out loud and clear from the backseat of cars on those long road trips as passengers uh, there in the backseat of the car, small and not so small, get restless sitting back there. And behind that question, are we there yet? Or a whole bunch of other questions such as Why is it taking so long? When will we get there? And what are you going to do about it? And in the midst of our life's journey, at some point along the way, we've all been in the back seat, right? And know the frustration of being cooped up in the car for too long. But at some point we have been, or we will be in the front seat doing the driving, truing our best we can to get from point A to point B. And at this midway point of the Lenten season, we may find ourselves asking that very question this morning. Are we there yet? Why does it seem to be taken so long? How much longer until we get to Easter? And that is the question that sets us up this morning as we encounter Old Testament lesson, which moves us into the gospel lesson for today with our theme, Return from Exile. Today, that theme is entitled From Judgment to Justification. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So in that Old Testament lesson for today, God's people were indeed on a long road trip. They were on the road, and they were starting to get mighty irritated. They were no doubt thinking and asking and shouting, are we there yet? Uh, Sure, the Lord God had indeed delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt, out of the house of bondage, but now they were way, way outside their comfort zone. They were in the middle of nowhere, out in the wilderness. They'd been taken from what was very familiar and put into something that was Very unfamiliar. Now, granted, they were no longer slaves, but now they could no longer count on the daily routine of work and the security of food that was always available, readily available in Egypt. Now, they had to depend on God and his provision for food, which was received in the form of manna, and quail and water from the rock, which we're told about in the book of Exodus. But they preferred Egypt to the uncertainty of the wilderness. They wanted freedom, but not the responsibility or the consequences that go with freedom. As Dr. Ray Vanderlaan puts it in his video-based Bible study, with all your heart, the wilderness wanderings for God's people weren't so much about getting them out of Egypt as it was about getting Egypt out of them. And that would take quite a while time and again they wanted to go back to what was familiar they wanted to go back to egypt they wanted to go back to slavery all again and that's what we hear in the old testament lesson for today the people became impatient on the way they spoke against god and against moses why have you brought us up out of egypt to die in this wilderness. There's no food, there's no water, and we loathe, we detest this worthless, miserable food. How's that for a thank you to God? They saw only what they did not have. And what about us? We're no better. Often in our own lives, we too want to go back to Egypt. We're prone to return to old, familiar ways and routines that may not be life-giving at all. And in fact, they may well enslave us all over again. But we tell ourselves, well, at least I know what I'm dealing with there, at least That's familiar. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Right? So what is God to do with us? What God did with his people who were grumbling and complaining, who wanted to go back to Egypt, we're told today, was to send fiery serpents among them. And we're told many of them died. Sounds like judgment, right? Sounds like punishment, right? And the people deserved it, right? But let's not forget God's righteous judgment is always tempered with God's mercy and compassion. Thus, when the people cry out to God for relief. What does the Lord God do? He instructs Moses to fashion this serpent of bronze and set it up on a pole so that all who look upon it may live. And that is what happened. What about us? Don't we deserve judgment? For all of our grumbling against God. Don't we deserve God's punishment when we see only what we don't have and we rail against God? The answer is yes. Yes, we do indeed deserve God's judgment and punishment. That is what we would expect. But that's not what we receive. So here's the connection then between Old Testament and gospel lessons for today. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is that connection. All of our grumbling and complaining against God, all of our grousing and griping when we see only what we do not have, all of our sin and disobedience has been laid not on us, but on Jesus, Son of God. And son of man, he bore for us the brunt of God's fierce anger and righteous judgment. Jesus became for us that sacrificial offering on the cross to pay the price of our sin. That is what the cross is all about. The gospel lesson for today goes on to include those familiar and beloved words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And you're looking at that screen and say, whoa, you got some letters missing in those words there. That's right. So if people ask you, you go to church, right? You Christians talk about gospel, what do you mean? What is that? How would you explain that question? How would you answer? We need look no further than John 3.16, because when we fill in those missing letters, they spell out gospel, which is good news. Forgiveness, life, and salvation in Jesus, that is gospel. John 3.16, that most familiar passage in all of Scripture, that is gospel. But John 3.16 leads us into John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so when we feel the judgment, the burden, the pressing down on us of God's judgment, what do we do? Do we look inside of ourselves? No. No we look to Jesus because it's in Jesus that God's judgment leads to God's justification of us through the cleansing blood of Jesus. We may be so familiar with these passages of Scripture that we may, in fact, just take for granted the enormity of what God in Christ has done for us. Hear what Luther writes about what it means that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Luther writes, these are astounding words. God has every reason to be angry, to wipe out the world as a frightful enemy. And yet there is no greater love than God, no more desperate scoundrel than the world. To love the world, to wish it well, is beyond me. If I were God, I'd give it hellfire. But instead of consuming the world in anger, God loves the world with such unspeakable and overflowing love that he gave his son. My powers are not adequate to reach to the bottom, of this tremendous affirmation. This love is greater than the fire seen by Moses in the burning bush, greater even than the fire of hell. Who will despair if God so loves the world? From judgment to justification is not something which we bring about by our own powers by what we do or who we are or where we come from. It doesn't happen through our own power. It comes from outside us. It comes through Christ alone. And this is what Paul writes about in the Epistle lesson for today. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's how we are made right before God. This is how we are justified. And in Jesus, whose blood cleanses us from all sins, God now sees me just as if I'd never sinned and that's a gift we don't buy it we don't earn it we certainly don't deserve it it comes from god through christ as a gift and that's a gift we might well spend the rest of our lives giving thanks to God for but Paul closes this epistle lesson for today by reminding us that being justified for Jesus sake leads to loving others for our neighbors sake for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So those opportunities that we encounter in daily life, as we go about the stuff of daily life, those aren't happenstance, and they don't just occur by accident. They are prepared by God beforehand in advance for us that we should walk in them. That's our calling in Christ at all times, but especially, especially now in this Lenten season. What do those good works look like? Think back to Ash Wednesday, about a month ago now, and the service closed with this dismissal. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we there yet? Step by step, day by day, we continue on this Lenten journey as we return from exile with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Hang in there, Easter's coming, amen.